Fantasy Focus Baseball Podcast. Here are your hosts, Tristan Cockroft and Eric Carabell. That's right, it is. But, Mr. Announcy Guy, you, you, you got one of the names wrong here. I am indeed Tristan H. Cockroft. Eric Carabell, of course, is off trying to serve as the Astros shortstop and number two man in the lineup, I'm told. Maybe that's what's going on there, but he's not with us today. Instead, I'm joined by my good friend, my colleague, and my forecaster partner in crime, A.J. Mass, as we're back on Thursday, May 30th, to cover the past week's action and, of course, forecast the weekend ahead. A.J., I'm very excited to go ahead and preview this with you. we get some points leagues analysis involved in here, and uh, how you been? I've been fine. I've been avoiding any massages at home because I don't want to go on the IL. I mean, it's it's been good. I've been uh, I've been hanging. <laughs> yeah, you and I are our little New Jersey uh, crazy, crazy state lately. We've, we've got to watch out for these tornadoes and everything. And, of course, to everybody, our listeners, please stay safe. When you see these alerts, take them seriously. This is it's serious stuff, very concerning, and uh, hopefully everybody is safe out there. Uh, but baseball's been a little crazy in the past week. We've got a lot to go over. Uh, you know, we should dive right in, AJ, because we've got so much to do. Let's do the buzz. So many directions to go, and I want to go with a positive story. Uh, he's been asked of us a couple of times, Eric and myself, and I want to get your perspective, AJ. Lucas Giolito has been one of the hottest players in fantasy over the past couple of weeks. He just had two outstanding efforts since the last time we had our show, had that uh, shutout there against, uh, or no, excuse me, a complete game, of course, against the Houston Astros, but uh, much, you know, no less impressive as a result. And of course, he had a, a decent game facing uh, a similarly favorable matchup. Giolito's been a kind of a star lately, uh, yet he's out there in more than 60% of ESPN leagues. And I'd like to just get your perspective on where he's at. Is this for real? Would you add him? Where would you rank him? Well, you know, first of all, I mean, is it real? Certainly, anytime a guy strings together five consecutive wins, it's, it's certainly not a complete fluke. Uh, he's not doing this against uh, a bevy of bottom feeders. There aren't that many bottom feeders actually out there in baseball these days. There's maybe six teams out of the 30 that I would consider to be bad, and everybody else is kind of like in this lump in the middle there. Uh, so, yeah, and like you said, one of them was against Houston. The strikeouts have been consistent pretty much over his last six starts, 7, 8, 8, 4, 9, 10. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. That said, you know, I still am not 100% buying in, at least not in terms of points leagues. Um, you know, I've got them. Yeah, just outside my top 75 starting pitchers, but he's certainly on the rise. Uh, he wasn't even sniffing top 100 before this uh, run of success. Uh, deep league, yeah, I'd probably take him and write him all he's hot, but I'm not necessarily considering him someone who's going to be in the top 50 for the rest of the season just yet. So, you know, ride the hot hand, certainly, but, you know, mortgage the uh, future of my team for him, no. Juice the orange, it sounds like. Uh, now, now, <laughs> here's my reaction to that. When you say top 75, initially, I wasn't a believer. He was just awful last year. The velocity was down. The stuff wasn't where it was as a prospect. I wonder whether that's underrating him, and I know that I myself have underrated him. When I look at Giolito, I dove into this over the past week. He is a changed pitcher. 
And what I wonder is whether that means we're underrating him that the skill set is entirely different. This is a guy who threw a terrible sinker last year, threw it 20% of the time, and he's ditched the pitch, hasn't thrown it a single time in 2019. Throwing his changeup a lot more against lefties, it's been effective, so he's got that weapon to, to neutralize the platoon splits. And the four-seam fastball velocity, depending on your source, it's ranging anywhere between one and two miles per hour faster this season. So this isn't the same guy. And what I wonder is whether we should just show, uh, throw out the projections and shoot them up our ranks into the top 50 starters. I don't feel comfortable doing that. But, AJ, and, and I like bringing in the points angle on this one. When do we throw out those projections and just kind of go with our gut? I feel like, in this case, maybe there's you know, an angle here between either the roto head-to-head or the points. No, I certainly agree with you. Nothing, you know, nothing with project or anything beats just watching the players play seeing with your own eyeballs and, and seeing how you feel about it. Uh, you know, he still had some April starts where the walks were an issue. Uh, so, I, I, you know, with every time that he doesn't walk four batters in the game or three batters in, in, in a six-inning stretch, I'm, I'm more and more beginning to buy in. But, you know, we are still talking about earlier this month he had, you know, a, a three-walk outing. And, it's it's still not necessarily quite where I'm ready to trust 100. Uh, percent But you know, trust is earned, and uh, like I said, you win five straight games, you're going to earn a lot of trust. Uh, at least in the short term. Understandably, and and look, he did. We mentioned this on the show a couple of weeks ago that he did have a couple of very hot streaks in the past around some terrible stretches. So yeah, there's reason to be cautious there. I'm. I'm not quite sure how optimistic to get about him, but but so far it's been pretty exciting. Uh, we got to get to the Astros just because this you know they're really snake bit on the injury front. I mentioned this with Eric, you know, talking to a lot of the Astros hitters this week. It feels like I don't know is he is he the injury jinx? Uh, you know, maybe not, but. They've lost a lot of key players here. George Springer is out with a grade two hamstring strain. That one happened a little over a week ago. Jose Altuve, we know he's been out since May 11th with a left hamstring injury. Carlos Correa now lands on the DL. This was a little unexpected in the past couple of days. A fractured rib suffered during an in-home massage, or at least this is his claim, the story of it, uh, on Tuesday. And he's going to miss four to six weeks. And the key here is... That the Astros have gone with this locked-in top five in their lineup, including those three, and they've been one of the produ- most productive lineups in all of baseball. But I think there's a little bit, bit of an impact on the Astros lineup, on these individually. AJ, your perspective on each of these individuals. Concerned? And what about the Astros lineup itself? Well, you know, anytime you got somebody getting hurt from an, an off-the-field injury and you didn't see it happen, it's really, it's, it's very concerning to me because you, you really don't know the extent of it and, and how much is just the player spinning it. Uh, you know, I, as a Mets fan, having to deal with uh, the uh, not-on-a-horse injury from Yenis Cespedes, you know, like, I, I have no idea where to place these injuries and, and how, how serious they are going forward. So... Yeah, I'm concerned, uh, certainly, for, from Correa's standpoint. And just Altuve seems to just be someone who's just not healing as quickly as I would like. Um, you know, it's still not the, you know, the mile straws of the world. Uh, certainly, it's a step down for whatever you're going to put on the field as far as the Astros line goes in far, terms of replacing these guys. But, I mean, Bregman's still a top-ten hitter for me. I'm not I'm not concerned about Springer. You're still a top-30 hitter. Brantley has been performing at a top 40 level. I, I, I'm not concerned that concentrated in, you know, the, the five spots together can't continue to, to put up offense. But overall, from the pitching standpoint, perhaps they won't get as much run support, uh, you know, top to bottom in the lineup. And that's where 
you might downgrade the starting pitching just a little bit in terms of that ephemeral chasing the win because that's just how a lot of fantasy uh, leagues are still assigning points for wins. I'd agree with you. I think you downgrade the projection a little bit for the team. It applies to wins, applies to runs in RBI for the lineup. I'm not really changing anything with Alex Bregman or Michael Brantley while he's healthy. There's opportunities here for guys like Aledmus Diaz when healthy, of course. Derek Fisher was a leadoff man in each of the past two games, so there could be a little opportunity from the daily matchups perspective, perhaps. But beyond that, I don't have any major concerns. I am bothered by the Altuve injury, just because you, AJ, you probably know this. I'm I'm not a fan of the players who suffer setbacks during a chain of injuries. And during this rehab stint, he's had a setback with his knee, from my understanding, during that. Uh, and that ties back to his past surgery. So I'm a little bit worried there. Uh, you know, that could influ- influence his stolen bases the rest of the year. And Correa, Correa, the only reason this bugs me is just, are we just all overrating this guy? I mean, is he ever going to become that star? No, I mean, I, I don't. I don't think he is. I, I think, I think a lot of it just has to do with getting swept up in the you know fact you play for a team that's going to win a uh, hundred games one year, and then you know, woohoo! You know, uh, certainly your value in terms of fantasy. You, you look at this as like a, a machine that's it's going to go forward, and, and anyone who joins, you know, the next cog into the machine, woohoo! We're going to ride them to fantasy success. I, I, you know, I don't see it. It's almost to me, it's, it's similar to what happened in Texas when. You know, you had the jerks in Profar and Rudnett Odor were supposed to, like, suddenly be the next, uh, you know, coming of, of, of the Altuve type players. And you're still just waiting for that, that next level to come into play. And at some point, you just got to go, maybe it's just not going to come in. And I think I'll probably make that adjustment in my dynasty rankings. I, I feel like it's tough to make the case when you have so many other young stars who are playing well and staying healthy. The, the question is valid. I mean, we mentioned Bregman a minute ago. So Bregman, I'll tell you, AJ, is tied for the May lead in home runs with 12 of them. And so is Josh Bell. We've talked about Josh Bell on the show quite a bit. Another guy is probably very good in points leagues. You can correct me if uh, you think I'm wrong. Do you know who the third man who's tied with him is? Uh, not off the top of my head, no. Well, he had three homers the other day, and his name is Derek Dietrich of the Reds, one of the hottest hitters in the league right now. Dietrich with a big three home run game, 12 homers overall in May, and yet he doesn't qualify for the batting title during the month. If you do a qualification set for that, he doesn't qualify. So as a part-time player, he's been putting up some outrageous power. Your thoughts on Dietrich? You know, I, it's, it's so hard to buy into a guy like Derek Dietrich just because, uh, yeah, he's going to ride the hot hand. He's not going to be taken out of the lineup right now, but do I believe that he's necessarily going to be getting this much playing time come mid-August? I don't know that I believe that just quite yet. Uh, you know, it, it makes makes you wonder, like, you know, oh, guy's got this many home runs. Certainly he's going to finish the season still being in, in the lineup on a, on a regular basis. I mean, do you really think that that's a lock? I, I don't. I don't either, and I mean, the Reds aren't using him as a regular player. They're using him as a straight platoon man. They're using him in the way that fantasy managers should really be using players of this type, and Dietrich did this in Miami, just was in a bad ballpark. He has started one game against lefties this year out of, let's see, how many... I I wrote it down, too, and then, of course, when I scroll through my notes, I can't necessarily find it. Uh, I believe it was out of 12 games against left-handed pitchers, and it was the last game because Joey Votto wasn't available because of a hamstring issue. So that tells you a lot about the role. 
But it means there's potentially a lot of value here. This is a great ballpark for a lefty power hitter, and he's taken this approach where he's going to capitalize on the ballpark. Pulling the ball like crazy, hitting the ball in the air much more at home, and on the road he's going more for contact. So I'm playing him at home. I'm playing him against righties. And AJ, I don't buy in any more than that. Yeah, like I said, he's, he's hot, and a lot of players will have one month, uh, you know, maybe even not even a month. You know, it's, 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 we arbitrarily say, oh, look what he's done in May, and it's great to look at that. I could take certain players and just take the, maybe the last two weeks of April and the first two weeks of May or, you know, just any random four-week sampling, and you're going to get players who maybe don't do anything for the course of the season but for a four-week stretch are, like, you know, Hall of Fame worthy. Uh, that's it happens, and people run through these cycles. By the time you hear about someone like Derek Dietrich, he's probably already on the downslope of, of the cycle. He's not a guy who I think is going to be much more than a 250 hitter, who's going to be much more than, you know, maybe because of what he has built as a base, 25 home run guy. It, it's just, you know, you didn't catch him at the beginning of the streak, so now looking to try and pursue him in fantasy at the end of the streak, you're, you know, it's like throwing, uh, throwing good money after bad. Yeah, there's, there's no shame in being a role player in an extremely good one in a good situation for him. I know it was, of course, Wednesday marked his first start all season against the lefty, and he whiffed in his two, first two trips to the plate against Stephen Brault. So that tells you quite a bit. Uh, we'll get to the to riding the closest uh, carousel in a minute, but first this from Hims. 66% of men start to lose their hair by age 35. Once you've noticed thinning hair, it can be too late. Is that hairline slowly starting to move backwards? Any bald spots yet? The best way to prevent more hair loss is to do something about it while you still have some. It's time to get a handle on those precious locks. I ask you, do you want a bald spot to pop up or your hairline to recede? Or you do, do you want to do something about it first? Why do guys turn to weird solutions or do nothing when they can turn to medicine and science? Forhims.com, a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and other wellness supplements for men. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. Hims is helping guys be the best version of themselves with licensed physicians and FDA-approved products to help treat hair loss. No snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements. Prescription solutions backed by science. Hims was created by a guy who knows some men's health conversations are easier online than in person. For Hims connects you to real doctors online, which could save you hours. Completely confidential and discreet. Order now. My listeners can get started with the Hims Complete Hair Kit for just $5 today, right now, while supplies last, and subject to doctor's approval. See website for full details and safety information. This could cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy somewhere else. Go to forhims.com slash FFB. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash FFB. Forhims.com slash FFB. Well, AJ, you ready for a little trip? Let's ride that closer carousel. The closer carousel. So looking over the roles themselves, AJ, not a lot seemed to change dramatically. And another case of correct me if you feel I'm wrong here, but I want to go through a couple of bullpens because we had some very ugly outings, and I just want your angle on these bullpens in particular. And I'll go right to the Mets. Ha <laughs> ha, Mr. Met. Uh, Edwin Diaz, not a pretty outing Wednesday. Uh, a third of an inning got one out, gave up five hits, four earned runs, and two home runs in a just a hideous game against the Dodgers. Edwin Diaz, he was the locked-in number one closer in practically every list in the preseason. Any worries? 
Well, you know, I am so frustrated. Not because of the outing. Look, every reliever uh, is going to have an outing or two, and they usually come in clumps. And he's in a bit of a bad stretch here, having you know, blue save against Detroit, and uh, you know, then the fiasco last night. He never should have been on the mound. There's no reason he should have pitched. First of all, Diaz, just in general, uh, is a much better pitcher not working back-to-back. Taking that day off, he's a much better pitcher. And he wouldn't have pitched had Familia not given up a home run in the eighth inning. And then, you know, all of a sudden, Mickey Calloway, like how most managers do, automatically go into, well, now it's the same situation. I have to bring in the closer. And he didn't have it. You could tell that on the first pitch, the first homer. You could tell that on the second homer. And he just kept them in there. Any other pitcher does that, you take him out and replace him with somebody else. It wasn't his day. I don't have any negative opinion towards him as a closer on the whole going forward. But I just wish more managers would pitch, you know, throw their pitchers into a situation based on their own personal rest, have enough confidence in the rest of their bullpen, or, you know, just the way bullpens are used really screwed the mess in Edwin Diaz last night because. It just was just a fiasco. Yeah, and I, I feel like we're, on the whole, as fantasy managers, a little too critical of players, pitchers specifically, over one bad game. And I wonder whether that's just all that was. It's the Dodgers. It's a tough matchup. By the way, I'll point out, the Dodgers have a major league leading 436 weighted on base percentage in ninth inning save chances. Now, that's a small yeah, sample. Yeah, and, and it wouldn't have been a save chance if, he, if you know, without the home run in the, the previous inning. And, I, and, you know, I can't say it's Amelia. But it's just like, just because now it's suddenly a three-run save, you know, you don't have to put the closer in. Put somebody else in first, especially when you are when you have a pitcher who is not as good on the back-to-back outings. It's this poor managing from the major league that is affecting fantasy baseball because we have no control of when these guys go into the game and in what situations. And I think, you know, we are getting a lot worse management. I, 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 I long for the situations. Uh, you know, which don't impact fantasy, uh, you know, where you get the, the Tampa Bay situation where, you know, anyone can close, but, you know, on any given day. I, I prefer those in terms of, of that's how I would prefer my team to be managed, although, you know, and from a fantasy standpoint, it means nobody's going to be the bulk of the saves there. It, it's counterintuitive, but that's actually better for the game overall. So the, the Orioles' bullpen, and I, I, one of the reasons I said I don't think a lot's changed here is that the Orioles were a committee bullpen in the first place. So Brandon Hyde, the manager's uh, declaration that Michael Givens, who people presumed was their closer in the preseason, that he's being moved back into lower-pressure situations didn't really register all that much to me. I feel like the Orioles were mix and match, and they didn't have a lot of appealing pitchers, and the team wasn't winning a lot of games and getting a lot of saves in the first place. But Givens has been just downright awful, AJ, lately. Uh, including Sunday's game where he walked two batters and got only one out in that game. He had a string of three or four games in a row where he either had a loss or a blown save, and then Wednesday in the, quote, low-pressure environment gave up another home run. The Orioles, is there anything worthwhile in their bullpen? Sean Armstrong picked up a save a couple of days ago, so is there anything there? Would you pass on that? i pass entirely unless, you know, we do get a guy who suddenly takes over the role and, you know, any even even the closer on on, on the worst team is going to be worth something if you need saves. Uh, from from a points league standpoint, I don't think it's worth the effort. I mean, I think Paul Fry is probably my highest ranked reliever. Uh, not and where do you have him? Like, give me a number on that. Yeah, well, he was 113th on my list of of relievers. Ooh. Like, it, there's nothing there. I mean, it's the division they play in, and just you know, the odds of, of giving up, you know, just a couple of hits, and, and you know. 
not even re- retiring a batter. I, there's, there's too much risk there, and I just don't see any any positives there. There's just there's nothing on Baltimore. Nothing. How about the Boston Red Sox bullpen? Now, they win games, they do get save chances, and then, of course, they've bounced between Matt Barnes, Ryan Brazier so far this year. Uh, they've thrown in uh, Brandon Workman for a save at one point. Marcus Walden has pitched pretty effectively. Brazier, by the way, on Tuesday, a terrible outing, faced three batters, Two hits, they were both home runs. He walked a guy, gave a three earned runs to the Indians, and we know that's a favorable matchup. So what do you make of that bullpen? Who would you get there? I mean, you flip a coin. Flip a coin. I mean, I, I have Barnes and Brazier back-to-back at my number 21-22 reliever because neither one's guaranteed to do anything that is worthy of a top 10. Um, and you don't really know on, on any given day which one's going to be the one who takes the lead. But... We are still talking about, again, this is what I'm saying, where if you have two guys on your major league team and they are alternating and they do both do an adequate job, I think from a fantasy standpoint, that's better than having the one guy who can completely go south on you. And, you know, maybe if, if you have an uh, Edwin Diaz implosion where he has another three games like this, I think just having the ability to go back and forth between two guys like the Red Sox are doing, if you have both of them in fantasy, it's probably better for you, at least in points leagues. I think I think we're at this tipping point here, where having having the one guy, unless he's going to have a, a you know Mariano Rivera, Kenley Jansen, perfect season, you really would rather have these situations where the manager is willing to go back and forth, and therefore you're not risking as much because they're both going to get work. It's just a question of of I think not putting all the pressure on one closer. And I really do think that in today's baseball, that's actually better for the mental state of the pitchers, which is going to impact their performance. And I like what these managers are doing in certain cases where they're using the committee-style bullpen. I feel like the only problem I have with the Red Sox bullpen is just they need one more arm, probably a lefty, in order to deepen that bullpen. I mean, they, they could have they had prime career Andrew Miller. I'd like the team better, but I know it's maddening for fantasy. So be it. Uh, I actually have Barnes and Brazier ranked pretty similar to you. I think I have Brazier a little bit lower, just barely in my top 50. But I have kind of the same approach to them. How about the Royals bullpen where Ian Kennedy, and <laughs> I watched this game Sunday, AJ, that, that Ian Kennedy just had a meltdown of an outing in, in a gimme save. He threw the, the, the inning against the Yanks, gave up four hits, three earned runs, and a walk in that game. I feel like there's nothing there with the Royals. I don't feel much different about them than I do the Orioles, but is Kennedy worthwhile? He's on the border of being worthwhile. I mean, if I'm talking about a 12-team league where you need three relievers per team, he barely hits that threshold there. So, yeah, but, I mean, it's got to be that kind of a depth situation. If you can go without with just two two relievers in, in a 12-team league, then no, he, he doesn't answer the conversation. And I don't really think there's a lot behind him. In terms of fantasy value, uh, at least not at present. You know, any 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 team can have a bullpen that suddenly gets hot, and you know, there's like some standout seventh or eighth inning guy that, you know, as long as you can get the ratios in, and you don't need saves in a points league, I think a lot of these guys can uh, emerge as quality fantasy uh, candidates. But I don't really see anything on the immediate horizon. I mean, Scott, Bar- Scott Barlow, I think, Dylan, I got in the top 100. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that I have anybody other than Kennedy in my top hundred either. I'm I'm pretty anti Royals. I, I I agree with you. If you desperately need saves, there's so few proven bullpens or known closers who are full time guys. I, I get it from that aspect, but I I don't like taking pitchers who have shaky ratios. 
Here's a pitcher without shaky ratios. I want to get your perspective on the Phillies' bullpen uh, quickly here. Hector Neris, been very effective lately in his past six outings, five saves, all successful, picked up a win in the other one, has a 123 ERA, and is getting plenty of Ks, 10 and 7 of the third innings. Is Neris the guy? Are you all in? I think Neris will be the guy in Philadelphia. I've moved him into my top 20 uh, relievers. And, yeah, I, I think I don't love the ballpark still, you know, but... Uh, that said, if you're going to be on a team that seems to be one of the few teams out there who's pointing in the right direction in terms of getting offensive support, he's going to be in a lot of situations where he's going to have a lead. Uh, so the save opportunities will be there. Yeah, you can't argue with a guy who's gaining the manager's trust. And that's, 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 that's half the battle, isn't it? <laughs> It is. He's pitched very effectively, and I think that's going to earn some trust, considering even with some of the alternatives when they get healthier, David Robertson. Ten saves, no blown saves for Neris so far. He's got two holds in addition to that, a 190 ERA, lots of Ks. He's been a very underrated pitcher, and he has past closer experience, so I know they'll mix and match. That's just what Gabe Kapler does. I'm a big believer in Neris at this point. Over the weekend, we had quite a few more prospects. AJ, I, this has been an exciting month. I don't know how you feel. I know I'm very excited about the fact that we've gotten a lot of prospects called up. Let's do a couple of quick hitters here over the, the prospects that have been called up in the past couple of days. And we'll start with Kevin Biggio, who joined the Blue Jays. We had the Vlad Guerrero excitement before. And now Biggio, another son of a Hall of Famer, gets called up, starts four in a row. He had a couple of shaky games, did have a home run, and went three for four during that Sunday game, and then battled an illness a little bit. Your uh, your angle on Biggio's fantasy value? Well, I mean, so far, he's had hits in one game. Hey, there were three hits, but, uh, you know, it's uh, not, as, not as big an excitement for me as it was with some of the other names going up here. And I don't necessarily know for sure that he would even be up if not for the early season injury to uh, Bo Bichette. Um, although Bo Bichette's probably not too far uh, away as well. And, you know, then they can trade Freddie Gavis and, you know, maybe just go all all youth. It's exciting for the Toronto's future, certainly. But I don't know, even seeing how Vlad, uh, you know, was I can't miss, uh, so far he's missed a little bit. I mean, he's, he's, he's doing well, but he's not doing the 400 batting average that everyone was hoping that, you know, the, the dream start that he could have come up with there. Uh, I, 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 not like jumping in with both feet with BGO just yet. I, I don't know that he would be here necessarily, uh, if not for a lot of, uh, dominoes fall. Would he crack your top 30 at second base or, uh, any of the deeper mixed leagues? Oh, sure. I mean, you know, I, I have him tentatively at, at 115 amongst all hitters. So, I mean, anytime you got a, a top 100 hitter, you, you're someone who's worthy taking a chance on, you know, I, you know, I, I'd rather go for, you know, Austin Riley or someone like someone like that uh, of the new, of the shiny new toys. I, I'm not quite sure he's going to 100% stick in the same way short term that the, these other guys are. I, I think he might be up. I'm, I'm, but I, I agree with you. I think there's some hesitation. Josh Naylor of the Padres had uh, great numbers in AAA El Paso, 299, 378, 538 slash line there. But I wonder about the playing time there. Josh Naylor, is there any league in which you'd add him? No, not yet. Um, you know, there, it's again, it's in terms of uh, would I rather have Mercado? It, 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 you know, all of the people coming up, I, I think there are, there's much more. I mean, you know, outfield is also just in a position where there's a lot more options out there. 
no, I mean, I, if I'm going to turn to anyone, I'd probably look to uh, Cleveland and maybe try and get some of those guys in Cleveland who are, are on the wire before I would go towards Naylor. How about uh, I'm I'm with you on that. I just question where the at bats are coming from. They've got tons of outfielders and first basemen. I, mean, I just picked up Lucklow and Tau. I, I think he's got more of a, more upside at least immediately. So I, it's just someone I'd much rather turn to. Although you know it's a pretty deep league, which is why I, I, I would even wouldn't necessarily touch him in a, a twelve team mix. Right. I'm trying to in your Tau. Do you have daily transactions? Because that Lucklow, I like Lucklow a lot using him against the lefties. No, unfortunately, it is weekly pickups, although we do have a, a nice little thing where you can make uh, injury replacement from people who are already on your roster every Friday before the Friday uh, weekend series. So at least if you lose a guy on a Monday, you're not totally out for the week, but you have to have a replacement already on your roster. I like that uh, a lot in terms of uh, as someone who has been uh, <laughs> <laughs> with, with like Trey Turner and uh, Michael Conforto and, and late, late uh, DL moves, excuse me, IL moves. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a nice it's a nice tool to have. We had that ad in uh, one of my long term keeper leagues because we had one team who he had just a slew of injuries on Monday, and and I don't think it was really that if we did the math, but that was his claim, and we added the injury role. I love that uh, that little tweak. Kevin Crone got called up by the Diamondbacks as well. Had some pretty good numbers in AAA. I mean, pretty good to say the least. Three thirty nine, four thirty seven, eight hundred with twenty seven or no, excuse me, twenty one home runs for AAA Reno. We all know about Reno and the hitting friendly environment but uh crone going to the diamondbacks thoughts on him yeah uh, you know I, I would probably like to ride crone a little bit more now that walker has fallen off if i you know needed a corner spot uh filled uh i have walker in, in a lot of leagues a lot of shares and he's kind of slowed down you know maybe you know switch a little bit there uh not cotton walker just yet but it's certainly uh there's a bench spot with his name on it. <laughs> yeah, there's opportunity. It's just my problem is they're not using him. I, I question why they called him up. He has two starts in his six games so far. So got to get him in the lineup, see what he's got. I can't add him until I see something. How about Devin Smeltzer, who had a great, great Major League debut through six shutout innings, three hits, seven strikeouts uh, the other day. Got called up unexpectedly there. Would you add Smeltzer? I'm, you know, I'm not touching uh, the young pitchers at all, really. I, I am much more skeptical with pitchers as opposed to uh, hitters. All it takes sometimes is one or two starts, and uh, the book begins to be uh, built at the major league level. Uh, I mean, certainly it's a great story, you know, someone coming back from cancer, and, you know, awesome story. Very happy for him, but at the same time, I am I need to see a lot more from, from a pitcher who didn't have uh, a whole lot of buzz. There, there have been so many instances from over the decades where a guy comes in, you know, and, and just one or two starts, oh my God, he's unhittable, and then all of a sudden everyone goes, yeah, but if we do this, this, and this, and make these adjustments, he's not going to be able to adjust. So I'm, I, I'm not jumping in on a fantasy level with these guys. I, I'd agree. It's a great story, uh, and, and I feel like the stuff isn't necessarily there yet. He he's, leans more finesse, doesn't throw particularly hard, kind of a change of pace guy, and when those guys have a little bit more of a fly ball leaning, I want to see more. But I'm excited. Yeah, you know, I, I, I hope I hope he does well. Absolutely. It's, it's, you know, the, the impression that we get just in general in terms of fantasy, in terms of young pitchers, it, it's always it's, it's, it's laughable like any of us have any idea who these guys are really – uh, you know, I was watching uh, Trent Thornton pitch uh, yesterday, and you know, if not for that amazing catch that Jonathan Davis made, 
he probably would have been out of the game in the first inning. And you know, we all said, oh, let's cut him. But, you know, he makes that catch, no runs, pitches a couple of innings, and then you start going, well, maybe I can give him a chance. So it, it, it's just funny to me that uh, sometimes it's one great defensive play that completely colors our opinions of these guys because we thin slice it so much down in fantasy, especially those who play on a daily level and DFS action. Uh, you know, it's really something where you have to take over a long period of time. And sure, on any given day, any pitcher can do well if you're streaming. Take a chance with the young guys. Absolutely. But in terms of, you know, having a veteran for them, I, I think you really have to think long and hard uh, when it's somebody who doesn't have as long as a track record or someone on your roster. Yeah, the great defensive plays or the lucky bounces can often just drive a matchup. I mean, D- Dwayne Wise, I think, is the one. The Mark Burley perfect game there. <laughs> Tells you a lot about one lucky break. Uh, I want to highlight one, just uh, quickly one combo meal player here that, that, that really struck me. Austin Meadows. There were a whole slew of guys who got them and if we go too deeply into them, we'll, we'll make the show go on forever. But Austin Meadows with back-to-back combo meals. Hey, it's a combo meal! So he did this on Sunday and Monday, consecutive days that Austin Meadows had combo meals, and he's off to just, other than the injury stint that he had, that brief one, AJ, he's been off to an electric start. And the question I have for you about him is, is he a top 20 outfielder now? Are you ready to lock him in as that? Uh, You know, I have him prior to uh, the combo meals. (laughs) I had him in my top 75 overall. He just moved into it. I love the Rays what they're doing. I, I, I'm no former uh, editorial watchdog Leo Howe, but I, I mean, the Rays are just fun to watch, and I do think he's getting close to being a mainstay in the top 20 outfield. I mean, outfield is, is still fairly loaded, so he could be in my top 75 and still be maybe a, a top 35 outfielder, but uh, especially if you're not playing in a points league, when you're looking for a categorical spread, I think that that ability to steal is certainly going to elevate him to that territory where I'm not I'm not too far off from uh, making that kind of a bold statement. I I didn't quite have him there myself, so I'm I guess I'm bold with the question. 29th among my outfielders, but I asked I, I've been asking that question. I, I you know what the only thing I have really is just the ballpark is very pitching friendly, so uh, I don't know I'm I'm a little hesitant to to quite trust him to that level. Um, the schedule will come up next, but first, listen up, guys. If you're big or tall, you know what a pain it is to find clothes that fit. So a trip to DXL needs to be on your to-do list. At DXL, big and tall is all they do. They've spent years developing their own sizing patterns to make sure big guys get a comfortable fit every time. Pair that with over a hundred brands, and you've got the one-stop shop for men's big and tall. Whether you're looking for jeans, hoodies, suits, or shoes, DXL's got you covered for every occasion, in stores or online, at DXL.com. DXL Big and Tall, built for you at DXL.com. Okay, AJ, let's take a quick look at the weekend schedule here. A very busy weekend, which, of course, has a... I hear there's rumors of a Yankee-Red Sox uh, showdown this weekend, but... The thing that catches my eye, starting with the Thursday schedule for today, uh, actually, is the night game, the ESPN Plus, with the Mets and the Dodgers, which is probably an exciting one to you. Hyun Jin Ryu will be pitching for the Dodgers, has been exceptional this year, uh, going up against Jason Vargas. Ryu, are you, where, where do you rank him? For me, he's a top 20 starter. Is that too aggressive, considering the injury history? 
I think it is too aggressive. Again, it's the injury risk with Kehler Law. I mean, generally speaking, you know, I have my rule of seven uh, when I uh, each year is I take pitchers with an ERA of 350 or lower and uh, strikeout to walk ratio of 350 or higher, and those end up being my elite. Uh, there's usually about 20 to 25 pitchers at any given time during the course of the year who meet those criteria. And Ryu is a mainstay on that list. The problem is that he just doesn't stay healthy. And so I can't really buy in uh, in terms of that uh, from the long term. But on any given start, as long as he's going to take the mound uh, that night, I I think he's definitely worthy of that kind of uh, ranking. So I do have him outside my top 40, but that's just based on not quite buying into his ability to stay healthy the rest of the season and the injury risk. In terms of performance, when he is on the mound, I mean, there's no question about his uh, his talent. Really, I mean, he he's turned into the automatic kind of guy when he's healthy, but he just isn't that often. We've talked about him quite a bit on the show, um, but I, I buy. I feel like I feel like this. I'm not going to spend anything to trade for him because of the risk involved. But if I have him, I'm clinging dearly. I like what I see so far. Friday slate starts with the 7 p.m. ESPN Plus game between the San Francisco Giants and the Baltimore Orioles. It's uh, this one is Drew Pomerantz pushed back a day because of Tyler Beattie uh, making a spot start on Thursday, going against Andrew Kashner, who's been better than expected. And I know, you know, we in fantasy kind of laugh a lot about the the Giants and the Orioles. Nothing really exciting there. But you look at this weekend schedule, two, you know, light-hitting teams involved here. The Giants are then going to go to Miami after this. So there's a Giants-Miami kind of series going on for three games. Are there any pitchers that you like on either of those two teams based on the matchups? Or is that just reading too much? Well, I mean, you do have to look at the matchups and maybe, you know, go beyond the... Uh the level of Bumgarner and, and then try and look look a little deeper into these rotations and say, hey, you know, if you're pitching against a team that's unlikely to score a ton of runs against you, why not take the chance there? I, especially if you're in the DFS league, you know, the DFS action. All you need to do is win that day. You don't, you're not looking at long-term. You are looking exclusively at matchups. I mean, I think John Means is a perfect example of a pitcher who, uh, you know, it's been doing well on these individual matchup bases. Unfortunately, you know, you're not going to get him this weekend because he, <laughs> he just pitched. But, I mean, that that is the type of, of situation where if the matchup is right, there's no reason why you can't take a chance uh, on, on one of these. You know, is Sean Anderson a, a good pick on Saturday? Yeah, he's better than he would be otherwise, certainly. I, 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 like, it's certainly not outside the realm of possibility to, to roll with one of these guys. Yeah, and he does have that Baltimore game. I had them reversed, by the way. It's Miami on the Thursday game, and then it's Orioles after that. A lot of these lower teams and pitching-friendly ballparks are going against weak offenses. They're kind of trading here and there uh, all weekend. So, yeah, I agree with you on Anderson. I think Anderson was an interesting one. Jeff Samarja is an automatic for me based on that matchup that he has on uh, Sunday in Baltimore. And, of course, as you mentioned, AJ, with the DFS uh, situation, I want to see the lineups. I, I always want to see the lineups just before game time to see what the uh, the opportunities are uh, for each player. On Saturday, we have the ESPN Plus game of the Miami Marlins at the San Diego Padres. As I mentioned a minute ago, a lot of the lighter-hitting teams are playing each other in pitching-friendly ballparks. And Jose Urania, like Kashner I mentioned a minute ago, has been pitching effectively, has four straight quality starts, 208 ERA. Uh, any opportunities that you see there from the Miami or San Diego series? Urania, maybe? Well, it, 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 Urania is definitely one of these guys. You know, I, I look at my my starting pitchers and I look at the people who are at the, maybe from seventy five to one hundred. 
are the guys who, if the matchup is right, then maybe that's the night to go with them. And I mean, Urania sort of qualifies in that particular situation there. Um, you know, much like uh, earlier earlier this weekend, Kikuchi's going against. Uh, is, that, is that tonight? Maybe Kikuchi's going. I think he there's a similar situation where I think I think the matchup might work well for him. Uh, in that particular situation, uh, uh, Spencer Turnbull is another guy who I think uh, matchup-wise, if it's right, go with them um, because they're not necessarily automatic, but certainly you play the matchup game. Kikuchi has the Thursday night game going against Felix Pena, who usually has the opener ahead of him, and maybe they do that again. Pena's pitched very well as the follower. Uh, a couple guys like that. The the Tampa Bay Rays are one of the teams that have useful followers that don't count against your starts cap. So just be aware of that for fantasy. And as a matter of fact, uh, Twins at Rays this weekend, AJ. It's another series that caught my eye. The Rays are going to be throwing openers on Friday and on Saturday in this series, if uh, memory serves. And as a matter of fact, I believe they also have one on the Sunday game. The Twins, the best offense in the league there. Are you loading up on Twins? Do you think that's an opportunity? Or do you think these Rays can hang in there in their own park? I think the Rays can hang in. I think it's it's a question of uh, they'll hang in for two out of three of them, and one of them will be a complete disaster. And it's just there's no way of knowing because it's completely unpredictable. I think, and that's what's fun about watching the Rays play is that there's unpredictability in terms of uh, the. I think it's exactly what the lineups feel because just because they announce that you know Ryan Stanek is starting on Sunday uh, and he's only going to go one, that could be the day when he's like, you know, let's get him in for three, and it just it, it keeps you completely. Uh, off guard, and it, it, it's working because they're the only team that's doing it, uh, and they do it well. I, I don't necessarily think this is the wave of the future. It's not kickboxing to Lloyd Bobler, but uh, I do think that uh, eventually uh, teams might get a book on this, but when you keep them guessing, it, it's not a lot to just say, oh, let's put all the twins in there. Peña's as good an example of any of uh, catching people off guard. I'll tell you, Jalen Beeks and y- Yanni Chirinos, Pretty excited by what uh, opportunities there are there, especially when they're not counting against your starts cap. Uh, Nick Pavetta, who got recalled to the Phillies this past Tuesday, eh, he didn't pitch that great. He gave up a couple of home runs there, especially early, and then he kind of settled in a little bit. This is a tougher matchup on ESPN+. Plus On Sunday at 4, we've got Nick Pavetta at Rich Hill and the Dodgers. Uh, and then at night, the Sunday night baseball game, of course, is that Red Sox and Yankees game, which is going to be David Price against what I understand is CeCe Sabathia coming off the DL. So a couple of questions here for you, AJ. Nick Pavetta, even if you're not a buyer here, are you long term? Do you like the fact he's back? Are you excited? And with the Yankee Red Sox series, the Yankees are going a lot with openers with Sabathia, who could be on a pitch count. Do you think the Red Sox get a better hitting opportunity in Yankee Stadium because of the Yankees patchwork pitching plan? Yeah, well, because they're they're not used to the situation. I, I think that's the difference between what the Rays are doing. Uh, is that the Yankees? Are, it is uncomfortable for them. I, if you are indeed bringing CC Sabathia back from an injury uh, situation, and you have a reliever, and it's not the same rhythm if he decides to go with, go in like in the second inning, that that just throws CC off. Uh, that doesn't throw the other team off as much. So I think that's a situation where it's not something you're used to. And anytime you're to take a picture out of the routine, that's something to be worried about. Ah, yes, that fine music, which reminds me I can relax and realize that I've already flopped once. I didn't even get to introduce Daniel Dott behind the glass and our, uh, our of course, editorial watchdog of the day, Tom Carpenter. Uh, are helping us out, of course, with the show as always, and thank you to them for all the hard work, hard work that they do. And 
Daniel, I bet I bet you get to pinch hit here. No Kyle Sabi today, so you get to handle the hash browns. You yes, I I am very excited about it. Although I'm going to be very honest, I'm nervous that Kyle specifically gave me names that aren't actual baseball players. Yeah, I see. He gave you a pronunciation. <laughs> he did. He he said that he was going to give me the phonetic spelling of everything in the note, so that I didn't have to. He's he's such a nice guy. He can't even have fun being mean. You know what I mean? Well, you did you? I don't know. Oh if wait, you, I heard the Raptors thing. Yeah, that yeah. You no, know, I did hear that. Sorry, ooh, too soon. Too soon. Yeah, that was that was rough. Ugh, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. We have fun. We have. Fun. We certainly do. All right, I'm gonna do a couple of these here. The first one comes from Jonesy. Been hanging in there in my points league with Castellanos, but the strikeouts hurt. Can I expect any sort of a rebound? It's a good question. This is this is throwing me off my rhythm, AJ, because usually uh, Eric goes and takes the the first hit at these, and then uh, and then I do. So how do you want to go? I guess I'll go first. Uh, well, I mean, I can go pretty soft about points leagues. I, I uh, certainly, I think in general the the strikeout, the whole thing with strikeouts in points leagues. I think people way overemphasize them. Uh, there's just so many more strikeouts these days. Uh, and so even if you have a guy like, you know, Joey Gallo, king of strikeouts, uh, it doesn't really hurt you all that much when they are producing in the other areas. If they're getting on base, if they're driving in runs. And so, yes, their score is necessarily lower than it would have been. Uh, and, yeah, an 0 for 4 day with three strikeouts, that hurts you more than a, a guy who, you know, grounds out four times. But overall, I mean, he's still – He's still in the top seventy-five in terms of hitters uh, going forward, and so I don't really, I don't really have any worries about strikeouts being, you know, an issue for for most hitters as long as they're still making contact uh, a good percentage of the time and hard contact when they are putting it in play and, and getting on base. And you know, I, I watched him, I watched him driving around yesterday. I'm not worried. <laughs> yeah, and, and when I look at the split between the head-to-head roto and the points numbers. Castellanos is actually rating roughly 40 to 50 overall spots better in the points leagues, which is interesting because pitchers usually dominate the scoring, which suggests to me, like you're saying, Ajay, the strikeouts aren't as big a deal as people are making them out to be. What I'm bothered by with Castellanos is that he's not hitting the ball with the same sort of contact quality that he did last year. That's what I liked about him a lot. But if you look even just at the fan graphs numbers before I dive into the stat cast, I mean, feel free, that, that would take us hours. His hard contact rate is down roughly 9% this year. And that was the number that I was clinging to as the breakout potential for him. He's hitting the ball in the air, but he's not hitting it with authority. That's bothersome. That's That, that suggests that he's not the same hitter. Maybe they adjusted the StatCast readings at that park. I know there was a little bit of rumbling that they, they had the, the <laughs> generous numbers in Comerica Park. I don't know. I'm bothered by it. I, I, I agree with you. I think the top 75 hitter number is the right level. Yeah, and you know, it, it like you said, it's it's not like he's he's you know, the contact is I think magnified a little bit by a slight uptick in strikeouts. But I mean, we're talking about a guy who's always been in the you know bordering on twenty five percent strikeouts, and so uh, you know last year last year was better twenty two percent, but twenty four percent is that, that's normal for him. I, I don't think there's anything out of the realm of, of realism here. Okay, love it. Next question we have comes from Brian. 
How long do you stay patient with prospects, specifically Brandon Rogers and Biggio, before cutting ties in a redraft league? I just want to say this. Cutting ties just seems wasteful. If you want to drop them from your team, that's fine. But don't just go cutting ties. They're expensive. You use them for work. It's just not worth it. AJ, do you agree? Well, I mean, if they're silk ties, certainly. I mean, yes, obviously, silk ties are the only ties that I own in my collection. From DXL, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I think a lot of the problem is is that they these people who are counting on the shiny new toys to uh, carry their team to a championship are are doing it wrong. Uh, you know, they put themselves into a, a Gordian or perhaps a Windsor knot uh, where from which there is no escape. You shouldn't have been putting too much pressure on on, on getting this young player to turn your team around that they in a redraft league uh you're yes you're hoping for immediate impact but they're still rookies and it's going to be an adjustment period and and so i don't really know what your expectations were in the first place if you were the type of person who were in a position in a waiver order uh league then you were probably in last place anyway and might as well stick with them i also feel like well, what's the criticism of rogers exactly I, I don't think he's performed all that poorly. I, I mean, no power. Yeah, I, I get it. No power. But has he really performed all that poorly? I mean, the only reason I think anyone would criticize him is that he played the Orioles pitching staff in three games at Coors Field and didn't put up five home runs. But he's not a homer guy anyway. And, and AJ, your, your point's valid here is that I, I think a lot of times we, we have outrageous expectations for prospects. And sometimes you get Dansby Swanson which might be what Brendan Rodgers is initially. Maybe he doesn't quite figure it out immediately. Maybe he doesn't hit for big power numbers. He didn't in the minors. I'd be patient with him. I think he's in a great situation. We've said that on the show for a couple of weeks now. Maybe Biggio, who wasn't quite you know, the prospect at that, that tier, maybe, maybe we're a little bit quicker to move on from him. But I'd be patient with guys like Rodgers and well, Riley, of course, at this point. And I mean, yeah, absolutely. And you're, uh, and, 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 you know... Vlad, people were cutting Vlad after after you you know <laughs> get three home yeah. runs in his first two games. It's like stop it, just relax. I mean, uh, it. I think there are no quick fixes in fantasy sports. They just they just aren't. And and people will seem to you know the people who are going to complain about this, and not necessarily the person who put the hash brown in, but I think a lot of people will complain about uh, oh the, my team is not improving fast enough. Are also the type of people who are going to say you. Uh, need to trade me, uh, you know, uh, a number one pitcher for my three bench players. It's like, it's, expectations are, are a little out of whack. In, in our game, though, I, Brian's question is valid in that if you need to move on, don't be afraid to do that. I, I don't think it's right. a terrible my, thing. My, my problem is not with, with asking the question so much as what were you expecting in the first place. Uh, the, the, you know, you're, even Mike Trout wasn't Mike Trout day one. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Mike Trout, yeah, Mike Trout stunk initially when he came to the majors. People seem to forget that. You know, <laughs> set your expectation. Watch prospects. Get used to them. Make your own judgments. And, you know, I, I, I have my guys. I watch a lot of prospects. Speaking of which, you know, <laughs> this I guess they call this the transition. I like watching prospects. And that's why SeatGeek will help you out with that. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? It's as if they're so big they can get away with not caring about the customer experience. So what if their site's annoying and doesn't have the events you want? Hello, status quo. The real question is how easy could it be if those ticketing sites actually cared? With millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there's a better way. 
Search sports, live music, comedy, and more. SeatGeek has the tickets you're looking for all in one place. In an industry that tends to stagnate, SeatGeek decided to stand out from the crowd. They built fastest way to find tickets so you can stop searching for the perfect seat and start enjoying it. Why is SeatGeek better than the rest? A quick look at the App Store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. How's that for customer satisfaction? Plus, SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web. Then, it rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. Finally, SeatGeek displays them on an interactive seat map. SeatGeek breaks down the details. Green dots mean good deals. Red dots are overpriced. And every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. And right now, SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code FFB for $10 off on your first purchase. That's promo code FFB for $10 off on your first purchase. Okay, we're going to go rapid fire here with a couple more hash browns, if that's okay with you guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, Man wants to know, do you think we see Carlos Martinez in the ninth inning anytime soon for the Cardinals? A good question, and we've Eric and I have wondered about this because they put him in the bullpen during his rehab stint, and it seemed like they were aligning him for that, and he did show that he adapted to the role effectively, albeit in a small sample last year. Uh, so far in the majors this year, I haven't been blown away by what he's done, but I think the stuff is there. So if I had to put a timetable on it, and, and AJ, I'll give it to you as an over-under, I'll say a month from now, but I do think he will get save chances. Oh, he'll definitely get safe chances. I think, uh, like you said, you haven't, he hasn't been blowing away uh, you. He hasn't been blowing away hitters either. Uh, yet to have uh, any outing with uh, with multiple multiple strikeouts. Uh, uh, yeah, he'll, he'll get a, a hit every now and then. Uh, I don't think uh, Hicks is doing something so phenomenal that uh, Martinez won't get a shot. Uh, you know, especially maybe after uh, Hicks pitches a couple of days in a row. He'll get his safe chances in there, but will he become the guy in the night? I don't think that's going to happen uh, necessarily uh, within the next few weeks. Okay, next question comes up from Art Vandalay of Vandalay Industries. Yeah! Would you leave an offensive slot empty in favor of another arm in a daily points league? Ugh, I hate this. I hate this move. It's allowed. I'm not going to criticize the fact that it's allowed. If it's part of the rules, okay. I don't like it. I think you need to have a lineup card. Uh, well, again, it comes down to is it, is it allowed or is it not? I, I would never play in a league where I would allow you to leave it a slot empty. So, you know, to, to punt catchers, as it were, uh, no, I, I, I wouldn't allow it. But if it's allowed, then, yeah, go ahead. There's there's no rules against it. Might as well take advantage of the loophole, and uh, hopefully you play in a league where they'll close the loophole next year. Of course, you could put in an injured catcher in that spot and not hurt yourself. I, and there's nothing really you can do about that. Okay. Next question comes from Nick. Who are some guys coming off the IL that you're interested in? Looking at Heaney, Gosman, Jimmy Nelson, etc. Good question. Okay, so Heaney did come back. Uh, 
I believe, yeah, and he pitched pretty effectively, and then they pushed him back for his next outing. I, I like him. He's got very good stuff, but the injury question is kind of like Hyunjin Ryu before. Uh, Nelson, the fact they demoted him to the minors, they activated him and sent him down, means that they're taking some sort of a patient approach. The guy who I, well, actually, there's two of them. Um, Mike Clevenger. I, I love Mike Clevenger. Nathan Avaldi. I think Nathan Avaldi's not getting enough chatter right now for his uh, recovery from injury, because I think in the second half he could put up maybe top 30 starter numbers if it all progresses well. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not necessarily sold on Evaldi, but uh, I, Gaussman certainly is someone who can be in the top 50 the rest of the way as, as any. I, I think those two guys are... I, I'm not necessarily twisting my bad budget around to try and get them if they're on, on the wire or anything like that, but I have my eye on them and certainly... Uh, I'm interested. I'm intrigued. Uh, I'm not necessarily rushing out. Okay. All right. And this last question comes from Eric. It is specific to Tristan. Tristan, what is your favorite thing about the date May 29th? (laughs) Wait a second. Was it your birthday yesterday, Tristan? Oh, no. Tristan, you didn't tell us that. (laughs) What? Darkness. Now when I say happy, you say birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Oh, I'll tell you this. Of, uh, of all my 25th birth- birthdays, this was the latest. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to take Kristen down to the old folks road. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Anyway, thank you. Yeah. The, so uh, I, I'm speechless. What, what can I say? I think that's it. Yeah. I mean, we close it out on, on good news. You turn in 25 again, which is uh, great. Yep, yep. Fantastic. I, I've figured out the, the code there. I've solved the riddle and, you know, I'm just going to keep keep doing that again. I'm looking forward to my next 25th. Yeah. Anyway, uh, great show today. Thank you, of course, to AJ Mass, my guest today, for for uh, helping out with great analysis as always. Check out AJ Mass's points ranks; he puts them up every week. Does an incredible job on those. So if you're in leagues, they're a must read. Thank you to Daniel, of course, for pressing all the buttons behind the glass and answering or, or asking excellently the hash brown questions. And thanks, of course, to Tom for checking up on us here. And uh, Tom, you gotta you gotta say hello. Hello. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> we'll end with a hello from Tom. How you doing? Thank you very much. Uh, and we will be back, of course, on Monday to help you with uh, the week ahead. Take care, everyone. Darkness.